What we do in life. Echoes in eternity. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. And we don't know who we are. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. Officer, you need to repent of your lawless conduct. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. That's not law enforcement, sir. That's being a thug. We will not stop fighting and bothering you all until this monstrous, barbaric practice of legalized abortion ends and we are teaching our children to do the same. God's word says that the shed blood of innocent humans cries out for justice and mark my words, they will have their day in court. Nobody gets saved by being treated nicely. They get saved by hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If we don't open our mouths and commend Christ, we're not loving Him, no matter what we're doing with our hands. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Provoked. I'm sitting next to my very pretty and tiny sister. What's going on? I'm doing well. Just, you, uh, you know, getting through this pregnancy and enjoying every minute. So it's going well. How are you? I'm doing well. How many weeks do you have left? About 10. 10 weeks. It's amazing. It's like final when, countdown. Because you and Jess are almost the same. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, you're pregnant. But then I've got a whole lot of time. Right. But those nine months just go by so quickly. It's just absolutely incredible. Yes, it, it does. Especially when you have more more than one kid. I feel like it goes by really fast. Like my first pregnancy felt really long. But the more kids you have, I feel like the quicker it goes. Because yeah. <laughs> you're busy, you know. Yeah, so busy. Yeah. So we're provoked. And uh, we hope you guys are enjoying our show. If you If you do, if you think that this show helps you. Uh, we don't want to be here just to jabber on <laughs> and express our own opinions. I think the Bible says something in the book of Proverbs about the guy that just wants to go and express his own opinions. No, we want to come alongside of the local church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and simply be a, a helpful resource under the under the banner of the local church and, uh, and equipping them. So if you if you feel like this show glorifies the Lord, gives honor to him, and really helps you, then we would hope that you would share it and support it. Again, what are we, what are we doing here we want to equip the church in three main areas. Preach the gospel, rescue babies, and destroy cultural idols. We've talked a lot about abortion in our last, or in our first, I think, seven shows or so. Um, but we are going to get into evangelism today. And we're going to have Pastor Luke come on in a couple weeks. And he, we're going to talk about cultural idols. We're going to have some Mormon elders come on in the months to come and debate, discuss with them. And also, uh, remember the Black Lives matter community so it's going to be an exciting exciting couple couple months yeah into the future um yeah we're so glad that you've joined us today thank you for taking the time and if this show has been a blessing to you can you do us a favor and take a couple minutes and go onto our platforms uh facebook on instagram uh itunes if you can write us a rating and review that's going to help uh kind of get us out of our little bubble and expand our reach because we want to bless as many people as we can so we sure would appreciate it if you could take the time to do that yeah. um, in addition to signing up for all access as well exactly i was just about to say that 
go to Apologia Studios and become an All Access member. Please do that because we can't do what we do without the the genius minds behind Apologia. We're so appreciative of Isaac and all that he does for our show as well as Carmen and, and everybody. I mean, without Apologia Studios, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. And now we have multiple shows which we, which require, um, you know, support to keep the lights on and to keep keep everything going the way that it needs to go apology is such a blessing but if you go to apology all access and become that member you're going to give again a second to none i say it every single time the same way a second to none type of education That's for true. yourself i mean there's so many resources in there i mean i can't even begin to touch how much you're going to learn i mean thousands of hours of lecturing from you know the top experts in the in the entire planet when it comes to what they're speaking about so you get that for you and your family and then again you also support the ongoing work here at apologia studios so apologiastudios.com become an all access member and please do that today so what are we doing today well we are going to have an evangelism clinic a street evangelism clinic to where we can help you share the faith help you and equip you uh, to get out there and to preach the gospel in the public square. And we're excited about today because we have a good friend of ours, Bobby McCreary, is joining us, and we are going to pick his mind on everything evangelism. Now, he is a street evangelist. He's pretty much a missionary to our nation. He runs a ministry called To the Ends of the Earth Ministries. And I, I appreciate this brother so much. I remember the first time that I heard him preach was in 2013 Philadelphia at the Herald Society, the first Herald Society put on by Jeff Rose. And uh, what I noticed about Bobby so quickly and what I, what I continue to uh, praise God about when it comes to his ministry and his evangelistic kind of footprint out there is the balance that he has. Um, you you know as far as, as as much as I know that you can pop on a YouTube channel and, and look at people quote unquote evangelizing or rep representing Jesus Christ and they can become very lopsided or out of balance. So what do I mean by that? They can preach fire. They can and they and a lot of what they're saying is true. But it's not done with grace. Mm -hmm. It's not done with compassion. It's not done with a heart of love for those people. And then you can also go on the other kind of, you know, flip side and see people who are all about preaching that Jesus is love, 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 but they're not telling you the hard things. They're not telling you the essential things of the gospel. So what I see in Bobby and what I noticed at the Herald Society quickly is a man who's who's balanced. And I think you can see it in his ministry effectiveness, that balance and how that kind of equates or how that kind of bears fruit. So uh, the content of his message, I don't think he, I don't think he compromises it the way that he communicates, the way that he addresses questions, the way, and the way that he handles abuse and hecklers, I think is exemplary. And that, so that's why we wanted to bring him on the show right. to learn from him and to uh, pick his mind again about everything evangelism. So welcome to the show, Bobby. Thank you. Glad to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. No, of course. So I want you to kind of tell us about the ministry, who you are, what you do, why you do it, and how we can support you. Thanks, Zach. Um, yeah, to the end of the earth uh, is is the ministry that the Lord's given to my family and I. Um, you can find our website. It's all spelled out like from Acts 1-8 to the end of the earth dot org. Um, and so basically how, how everything started was God saved me. <laughs> I was a uh, professing Christian most of my life. Um, 
and at 34 God came and got me out of my own delusion and sin and uh, I knew I had to go tell um, the world about Jesus and tell them that uh, Christianity was not what has been sold to the masses especially in let's say places like the Bible Belt uh, where I grew up right. and so uh, I left my job and uh, December 31st, 2010 was my last day of being at my former employment. And so the rest is history. God's had Kara, my wife and I on this journey. Um, praise God. We've been married for 23 years. First half of that, uh, I was not saved. Kara was saved before me and God's given us, uh, four beautiful children. So yeah, we're we grateful. Are. Yeah. I love watching, looking at pictures. I don't know if I've ever seen a picture of you or your kids where you're not smiling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got you have just a, a beautiful family, man, and I appreciate that so much. Hey, how old are you? I'm 45. You're 45, so God saved you about 11 years ago. Yeah, th about 34. It was right in the very beginning of 2009. Wow. So you you had only been a Christian for about four years before you started to the end of the earth. Is that correct? Uh, well, before I start, I, I pretty much started going out and witnessing in the open air as soon as God saved me. Um, I think a lot, thanks in part, a, uh, a lot to um, really uh, one of the main instruments God used to save me was a message by Ray Comfort called True and False Conversion. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people know Ray Comfort for Hell's Best Kept Secret. And um, I actually... It's a crazy story, man. I, I was going to church, this really seeker-sensitive church. Uh, uh, actually, a client of mine had persistently invited me there, and I really didn't want to go. And um, I finally agreed to go, just hoping the guy would leave me alone. <laughs> and the, the first time we ever went to that church, yeah, it's funny. It is a funny story, Desi, because this guy asked me like three times. Every time I was meeting with this client, he would ask me, and the last time I literally, I remember I had this flash in my mind, like punch him in the face. <laughs> like I was getting so mad. I did not want to deal with this guy. And then, I, then I'm like, come to my senses. Are you crazy? Like you'll go, you'll probably go to jail. You'll lose your job. And so I just said, give me the address. We'll come on Sunday. Wow. And I thought, well, th then I could just tell the guy, okay, we came, we saw, leave me alone. Right. Mm -hmm. But God, God had other plans because the very first time we ever went there, um, God saved my wife. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, Praise Lord. yeah, she was born again. She was, she had a desire to read the word of God and pray and live a holy life. Wow. And, you know, all my life, if somebody asked me if I was a Christian, I would just say, yeah, and hope they change the subject really quick. Wow. And um, over time, about another year and a half, we were going to that church. Like, like I said, it wasn't a, wasn't a great church, but you know, God, um, can you can use things for his, for his own glory and mm -hmm. I actually signed up to go on a mission trip there when I was still unsaved. Wow. And and so yeah, that's that's the crazy part. The guy that was leading our team, he wanted to train us using the way of the master. Really? Wow. And yeah, and and the church kind of frowned at that. They didn't really like the way of the master, but he did it anyway. And uh, we went through the basic training course. And at the end, we still had a few months before the trip. And so I ordered some tracks. And in the box of tracks, they sent me that. It's like a dual CD. It has Hell's Best Kept Secret and True and False Conversion on mm -hmm. it. And uh, I listened to Hell's Best Kept Secret. And 
well, that's like a message for Christians, you know, like, hey, Christian, why aren't you witnessing? Mm -hmm. So that didn't really mean much to me because I wasn't a Christian. But I began to listen to True and False Conversion, and around the same time, uh, the same guy who had invited me to church gave me a copy of, um, you know, the the message that's been heard around the world, Paul Washer's, uh, what do they call it, shocking Shocking shocking. message. Yep. Yep. So I'm listening to both of those message, messages, and um, I was driving about a thousand miles a week for my job, and for probably about three weeks, any moment I wasn't talking with a customer or an employee or a coworker, I was listening to one of those messages. Wow. And I was just, God was just grinding me down to the end of myself. My first kind of thought about it is I was like angry, because I had the whole southern christian experience i prayed the prayer i did all that i mean i i got thrown into like three water tanks you know before i was ever (laughs) actually born again you know went in a dry center came out a wet center (laughs) and um i had i had done all that you know and uh and so i start listening these guys preach and i'm like man these guys are making me feel like i'm not saved Hmm. and and i remember you know well-meaning you know VBS pastor guy saying, look, if you really meant that, then you're a Christian and you know, all these things that, that we hear. And, uh, so I was, I was angry and then I started taking my Bible with me to, to work. And when they would quote a scripture, I would try and look it up because I thought maybe these guys are heretics. (laughs) Like I, I went to a Christian school, kindergarten through sixth grade. So I knew enough to be dangerous, you know, to like myself and other people. And, uh, then I start looking up these scripture references, and I'm like, they're not twisting the Bible. They're just quoting it. So then I'm terrified because I'm like, wow, I am lost. And uh, I went through probably another week listening to those messages, and I there was even times where I contemplated suicide. Wow. I was like so undone, like, uh, and I started asking myself questions like, why am I not in hell, like, right now? Mm. Wow. And thinking I should be in hell, and... And you, know, you talk about the Lord opening the heart. I mean, the gospel is clearly presented in both of those messages, but I didn't have ears to hear. And, and one day after listening to them, probably dozens and dozens of times each one, I was driving on the interstate in my work truck, and I heard the gospel, and it was like I heard it for the first time ever. Wow. And I just began to weep and tremble, and I had to pull the side of the road, and I just began to cry out to the Lord and uh yeah that, so that was when I when I signed up to go on this mission trip this is the amazing thing I, we were sitting in the in the um sanctuary of the church waiting for the service to start and I mean this church was like smoke machine and you know lights and all this stuff and glitter I, yeah it was it was just a just a wild scene and um I I committed to go on that trip. Like, I'm having this internal conversation with God. I believe he wants me to go, and I don't really understand why. And I just said to him, I thought money would be an obstacle. So I said, well, show me how to get that money. I don't know how that's going to happen. But then I also just prayed this prayer, like, I don't understand why you would want someone like me, if you know what I'm like, you know, every day that I'm not in this place, why would you want someone like me to go to Bolivia and tell people about Jesus and I said, so I, I feel like something needs to change. If you really want me to do that, you need to change something in me. And so that day that I cried out to the Lord, and I believe the Lord saved me, was actually nine days before we left to go on the trip. 
Wow. And uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, the <laughs> the Lord is merciful and, yeah. and gracious. He is, so. and that's just so kind of remarkable. I mean, thinking back to 2013, and uh, you know, all praise and glory and honor to, to God, but it just seems like He really matured you quickly. And of course, you know, He brought Ray Comfort into your life. He brought Ray Comfort into my life. I like how Tony, what Tony Miano says that Ray Comfort's going to have a lot of crowns to give back to to Christ because of how instrumental. Uh, but I think that's kind of a good kind of segue because what we, what we were just talking about is that we don't want to present biblical evangelism as some type of academic elitist group of people that only they can evangelize. What we want to do in our show is equip the body, just the regular guy, because we're a bunch of regular people, you know, ordinary, about as ordinary as you can get. But what we want to do is the, for the people watching, we want them to be empowered and emboldened and, and equipped to share the gospel. And I think what we need to do in that is is present the the training of something that, again, you don't have to be an academic elitist. Unfortunately, I think a, a, broad, a broader segment of the American evangelical, evangelical church thinks, if only I knew everything about every topic out there or about every single religion out there, then I would be capable of sharing the faith. Now, that's not to say we need to know what we're talking about. I mean, if you're talking to a, a member of the Mormon Church, you need to know. If you're talking to a JW, you need to know, or a, a, um, you know anybody else. Right. But we want to put it on the lower shelf level, in the in the in the in, in the sense of just describing what biblical evangelism is. So as we move forward, this is going to be a clinic for you. It's going to be a clinic for uh, the folks listening to be able to share the faith. But what I want to do is kind of get the mindset that people don't know at all how to share the faith. And what I think what we'll do as we discuss is we kind of have to peel back the, the layers a little bit. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of false understanding of what biblical evangelism is, right, in the American evangelical church. There's a lot of quote-unquote evangelistic methods, or there's a lot of definitions of biblical evangelism that really doesn't find its source in the scriptures. So as we discuss, be thinking about, okay, number one, the people that we're talking to don't know how to share their faith. Number two, how can we kind of pull the curtains back and make sure we are pointing directly to the scriptures as our source for what we're saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So number one, and we'll just throw out this question, throw out this topic. What is biblical evangelism? What is biblical evangelism? We'll start with you, Bobby. Uh, Well, I mean, I would say it's, it's pretty simple. You know, it comes from uh, the Evangelion, it's just a simple message of the good news. Um, so I would say it's the sharing of the good news about a holy creator, uh, a, a fallen and sinful uh, mankind, the punishment we deserve for our sin, and about redemption through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and then calling people to respond to that message through repentance and faith. Yeah, good. That's a good starting point. And it, it, it is it is so much more simple than I think we can imagine what people uh, tend to think because they, you know, so many people have told me, if only I knew again, if only I knew and knew this and I don't know enough here, um, I, then I would be able to evangelize. But evangelism is, it, again, it's just the declaration of the true gospel message to the lost. Biblical evangelism, right, is going to the lost and sharing with them a message. And it's got to be done 
using words. Right. Right? It's got to be done using words written down or words coming out of your mouth. But that is basically it. So what is the difference? And I know you went into the gospel components there a little bit. Let's, let's dive into that for the people who are wanting to know what the essential components of the gospel message are. But what's the difference between a false gospel message and the true gospel message? Mm. Well, I mean, I think that a, a false gospel message will always, m- more often than not, it will be an, uh, an incomplete message, right. a partial message, or it will have things that are that are just wrong in it. You know, I mean, obviously, if, you, if you're dealing with cults and things are going to have uh, things that are not true about God. But I think in broader evangelicalism, uh, a lot of the false gospels that get presented have to do with um, almost like truncations of the gospel. Exactly. You, you know, you're yeah. just giving uh, parts of it. You know, I mean, I would say that probably the things that are most neglected uh, today or talk think talking about things like sin mm-hmm. uh, repentance is like a um, four-letter word in right. the in the broader evangelical church today you very rarely um, hear these things and so you know a false gospel is is not going to present uh, all all of the uh, facts about God man sin redemption and repentance and faith it's going to cut somewhere in there they're going to cut things out and and generally that's because i mean let's face it it's it's uh evangelism is um especially living in a post-christian culture i mean you are going to be mocked maligned made fun of and things like that so i think a lot of these things have to do with um attempts to soften the message in order to not have those things happen to you yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think that was just an excellent way of explaining it. A false gospel message is one that adds to the gospel, which I don't I don't really see as much. And I think you're right. It, it's more or less a truncation or it's a, re, a reducing of what the gospel is. It's a taking out of essential components. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why we do that in the broader American evangelical church is because of the seeker-sensitive movement right that was built based upon rick warren uh and, and bill hybels type of work there to where you know we really have to for lack of a better way of explaining it kind of roll out the red carpet for the unbeliever to get them into church and once we get them into church then we can share the gospel with them but it it's a very man-centered way of of building the church i mean if you go back really to the roots of it i think what they had done is they did a demographic study of their cities at that time and they asked thousands tens of thousands of people of what they want the church to be what they hate about the traditional church and then they went ahead and they built a church on that when i was reading that book purpose-driven church back in 1995 it really didn't dawn on me i wasn't reformed really at that time and i think it was because of my reformed theology now that you know i didn't think of hey wait a second you're actually going to people who are totally depraved who hate god at 
they're they're in their nature enemies with God and asking them how he should be worshipped and how the church, the church should be constructed. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's a little bit of a problem there. Yeah. But the problem is is a, a massive amount of churches within America and, of course, globally now are built on that type of philosophy of ministry. Right. That, that's the blueprint. It's the dead, hate God-hating man. We... we we cater to him. We placate to him so that he would come and sit down. And then once we got a whole lot of people in one location, um, then we're successful as a church. And so what we've done is because of that philosophy of ministry, that's why the truncation of the gospel comes in. That's why we eliminate the hard components. And what you've done now is you've tried to get men just inside of a location, men and women, you have built a church of the tares right. and not a church of the wheat. Because if the gospel is not being proclaimed, if it has been reduced in any way, shape, or form from the biblical description, then you don't have a true gospel. So what are the essential components? Because people are they're thinking right now, okay, I want to go share my faith, but what are the components in the message of the gospel that are non-negotiables, that are completely indispensable to the whole message? Um, I, I would say that, uh, first of all, the gospel, we should always begin with God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something because, you know, what did John Piper say? God is the gospel. Right. You know, at, at the at the at the chief uh, end of our being is to glorify God. And so I would say we should start with God. I, I didn't always get that or understand that even when I got started. Um I would start with sin a lot, but I think it begins with God as a as a good and gracious creator, that he's the creator, uh, that God is a righteous judge, and that there's only one true God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 96.5, it says, uh, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, right. but the Lord created the heavens. So I think we begin with God. Uh, I think we talk about uh, the Bible being our foundation for who God is. Um you know, I'm sure you guys have run into this a lot. You know, you get people saying, like, my God would never send anyone to hell, or right. my God right. this, or the Jesus I believe in. Mm-hmm. And so usually I'll say to someone, well, where do you get your information about that God? Right. It's good. You know, because um, if you're not talking about the God of Scripture, then you're just talking about some some being that you invented in your own mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible is a foundation. The Bible being God-breathed. Um, I would say other essentials would be that uh, Jesus was born of a virgin. I think that gets left out a lot. Why is that important? Because Jesus did not inherit a nature of sin uh, by not having uh, an earthly uh, father, at least that he came from the seed of. Uh, Jesus being God incarnate, uh, that God is is triune. And then, so, you know, all we've talked about so far is God. Right. Um, so, so then you move into, you know, God graciously created. He created man in his own image. And what did man do? He sinned. So you have to talk about the sinfulness of sin. Uh, you know, that's what Paul said. I would have not known sin, but for the law and that through the law, sin became exceedingly sinful. And uh, you look through, I mean, if you, if you want to see how sin uh, has devastated us, I mean, obviously you just look around the world today even what's happening in our own culture today. But, I mean, just read the Old Testament. Right. And you see the people rebel, and, and it has, you know, horrific consequences, uh, oftentimes even on their own offspring. 
Right. Um, and so, so you have a, a creator God who's a just judge and fallen man. And so then you have then you have to have one who stood in their place who was not a sinful person. And so there's Jesus again. Not only was he not born in sin, he never committed sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. He was tempted in every way we are tempted, but without sin. And uh, at the end of his life, he he died on the cross as a substitute. That there was a a wrath appeasing sacrifice, uh, because the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. So I think. You know, and, and these things are, I mean, we're talking about essentials, right? And I think you, you can explain these things in very simple ways. Mm -hmm. Say like the work of justification. Well, we have a, a record of debt that needs to be wiped out. And God does that through the the imputation of Christ, Christ's righteousness. He clothes the believer in the, the righteousness of Christ. And he forgives their sin through the atonement or the propitiation of Christ by his blood. And then... Another thing that gets left out a lot is the resurrection. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you read 1 Corinthians 15, I mean, Paul says, you know, if Christ has not been raised, we are of, of all people most to be pitied. Right. So, you know, really uh, our salvation is is uh, birthed through and hinged on the resurrected Christ defeating um, the power of hell, proving that he was not a sinner. Um, and so I would say those those would be essentials, and then uh, that salvation is by grace through faith, that it's not of works, um, the necessity of the new birth, and then um, I think the call, again, the call throughout the scriptures, if we look at the New Testament model, and even the prophets would, would call the people to repentance. Today you hear a lot of just believe in Jesus, just believe in Jesus, but even Jesus' first words in his earthly ministry were, you know, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Right. So I would say those would be things that would be essential. I mean, can you get to them and, you know, every single one of them in every conversation? I mean, obviously not, but you, you try to get what you can and of all those things into conversations. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you have a five minute conversation. Sometimes you have a 30 second conversation or a 15 minute conversation. So, right. But that was a, go ahead, Des. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. And it, it's going back to Romans 1 16 of believing, you know, that the gospel is the power of salvation, you know? Um, so I think like we were talking about the church, you know, kind of the American broader American evangelical church and what's kind of taking place and what the what we've seen just doing evangelism with um, trying to get people into the church you're trying to get the unconverted to go to church and then hopefully hear a message we're really not believing that the the gospel is the power of God unto salvation so we're like taking this and we're using pragmatism to hopefully like get people to come into a church and maybe hear the gospel and so really focusing on like no no that is the means that is how god saves people um because sometimes you'll just be talking to people and you're like you know they'll give you all these other ideas or methodologies and it can just get so muddied and gray and that's why when we're out i feel like in the public and we get have you know self-proclaimed christian after christian criticizing it's because that's what they're hearing at church they're hearing you know just be nice to people do good things even you brought up bobby like missionary trips sometimes they'll they'll go down and they'll just give them food supplies and medical needs which is great those are nice and good things to do things christians we should be doing those things but if we're not giving people the gospel 
what are we doing? Yeah, that's right. And we're going to, we're going to be diving into that. I think that's a good segue to the next topic, but I think, um, yeah, that was a great explanation of the essential components. Like I hope people go back and really memorize what you just said, because I think you've really encapsulated in not so many words, those essential components. And again, I like what, uh, Ray says, he says, Hey, look, if you're taking a medicine, um, some some medicine that's going to cure you of a disease and you eliminate some essential chemical components, what that does is it dilutes down that particular medicine or that t- particular whatever it may be to help you and there's no curative powers. So we have to understand that in our present, pre- presentation of the gospel, if there is no essentials in there, it's not going to have any type of power. Like what you just quoted Romans 116, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. That we, it's not about the messenger, it's just about the message. And I like what you also said, Bobby, is we want to make sure as we're explaining it, people understand it. So I really would encourage you as you're sharing the gospel with whoever on the street, a family member, whoever it may be, I would would really encourage you to say, do you, are you understanding this? Um, Because... (laughs) Sharing the gospel is not an opportunity to wax eloquent. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes we can get a little off on, on in the deep end or away from the, really the mission at hand to think that we're just called to unload a bunch of biblical knowledge using a bunch of Christian words to people who have no clue of what we're talking about. So we need to understand that, yeah, we need to take the time to explain, to break it down, to be simple. And if we're presenting the gospel message and the, and the, the, the method, the biblical methodology of sharing the gospel with people, we're presenting it in a very biblical way, of course, but a simple way, more people are going to do it. But again, if we are just presenting it in a way that you have to be some type of orator or eloquent or some mega brain, the body of Christ is never going to do it. They're never going to do it. You know, what we need to do, you know, what what we want to do primarily through Provoked is get the body preaching the gospel. That is how we'll see exponential uh, expanse of the kingdom. That's where we'll see the movement of God exponentially in our culture and everything kind of changes from there. But I think that's great. And just to maybe summarize what you said about the essential components and we'll move on. The essential components start with who God is. God is, and you went into it, I'm not going to belabor that, but God is creator, God is holy, which is absolutely essential. When you reveal the holiness of God, then you move directly into the sinfulness of man. Because even seeing Isaiah, when he was presented before the Lord, he said, woe is me. When he saw that the Lord was holy, 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 holy in that in that Isaiah chapter uh, 6, right? He, uh, he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. So when the holiness of God is revealed to a sinful man, then he becomes aware of his sinfulness. So it would be God is creator, God is holy, the sinfulness of man. God is a judge. There is a day of judgment coming. And then you get into the law, which of course the law tutors the unbeliever that the man is a sinner headed for hell. Of course, the law affects not his intellect, but his conscience. So the law, and then you have the judgment, which is if God is good, he must punish all unbelievers. And that judgment is an everlasting punitive sentence in a place called hell. Hell's an essential component, but God is also gracious and merciful. And he sent his son, God, God becoming man in the person of Jesus Christ. Then you get into who Jesus is, his substitutionary sacrifice, his death, his resurrection. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, commanding every man everywhere to repent. It's not an invitation. It's a command of the reigning king. So that was absolutely awesome, Bobby, and the way that you explained that. So getting into what Desi just said, what 
how does the American evangelical church define evangelism? I know we're going to step on toes here. We're going to make people mad, but it's called provoked. So I think we need to be a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. It's not for the purpose of making people mad. It's not for the purpose it, of. It, it's, it's not called placate. Right. Yeah, it's not placate. Exactly. You don't see that behind well, us. I wanted to just, if we could backtrack for a second, just touch on something you said, um, Zach. Why I think one of the reasons it just sort of came to my mind as you were talking about it, the holiness of God and who God is is so important is, at least in my experience in open-air witness, and, and I spent years doing this, sometimes it's not that we don't need to preach about sin and talk about sin and things like that, but it's like sometimes I think we can get so focused on the sin that's happening right in front of us mm-hmm. that like we're talking so much about that. But when you think about it from a lost person's perspective, if that's all they've ever known, and you're out there saying, hey, you know, like you're getting drunk or, you know, you're you're in this type of idolatry. And I mean, without the holiness of God, they're thinking, so what? What's wrong with that? That's right. 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 You know, and, and so when you preach the holiness of God. You're saying, listen, the, the reason why this is a problem is because your entire life is in rebellion to your created purpose. And right. what you're actually doing is spitting in the face of the God who made you for his glory. Right. And that's why your sin is so sinful. Good. You know, right. because other otherwise they're just saying, I'm just like everybody else I know. Right? I mean, right. I think exactly Sai right. talks about it, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, a lot of times people hear that and they go, see, I'm no different than anybody else. Exactly. But right. that, but that's not a an excuse for sin. That's God's indictment against every single individual. Right. I think you know? too. It you know it really captures like the insidious nature of, um, and again, we don't want to beat up on the church. I'm not trying to say every church in America is bad. It, that is false. But the insidious nature of not preaching a full gospel message, n- not uh, preaching the whole entire counsel of the Word of God, um, and then expecting people to respond in a way that would be how God calls us to respond. So, for instance, you go to a lot of churches and they'll quote scripture over here. They'll be like, you know, here's some scripture about David and three steps to improve your life. But it's really not preaching the full counsel of God. Um, And so people don't know, like, they're standing before God. Sin is left out hell is left out. Maybe sometimes it'll be kind of thrown in there, but it's like what me and my husband Don have called like a Bible light, you know, where they kind of mix in. And it's so insidious because people go every week, week after week, and they're like, I'm good. I go to church. I love Jesus. Uh, But they really have never been broken before the Lord. They don't understand their nature. They think, you know, these good works are just going to church is going to appease God, but they don't have a clear and biblical understanding of what it truly means to be broken before the Lord and in need of Christ. That's exactly right. And I think that's what Bobby was explaining is Mm -hmm. it's the holiness of God Mm -hmm. uh, coupled with the law, right? The holiness of God is there as that's revealed to you, his holiness. And of course, the law is just a picture of his holy character. So those things, the law flows out of the holiness of God, right? Yeah. His holy character. I mean, the law is just how God would live on the earth if he was a human. And of course, Jesus comes and lives that way completely, perfectly in, in harmony with the, the, the law of God. So it's it, that's the essential. And that's why 
Ray has been such a blessing to the church and there's right. been such a massive revival and evangelism. Uh, God has just used him instrumentally. And all he did was say, hey, let's get back to using the law and evangelism. And man, explosion, God's blessing uh, and waking people up, me me included. It's, right. it's so so important. So, yeah, like we're saying, we don't you don't beat up on the bride of Christ. Anybody beats up on my bride, it's not going to be a good day for them. And I know you would, you would say the same thing, Bobby. Um, so we never ever want to beat up on the bride of Christ. All we need, but we do need to address uh, diseases in the way that people think, especially, right. especially evangelism, because it is our mission. Right. It is an essential part of the Christian life. It is our, it is our mo as Christians. We are supposed to be lights of the world. We are supposed to go about being witnesses. You know, we right right after, he, right before he sent it, he said, "Go into all the world." And be witnesses, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I mean, this is not just some non-essential issue. This is the big mission of what we're still doing here on this planet. Uh, it's to bring the gospel to the law. So what? Um, how do you think the greater American evangelical church would wrongly define evangelism? Or how do they define it? What do you think, Bobby? Uh, well, I mean, there, I think there's all kind of... Uh you know, ways they could define it, but I think probably the most common error is probably um, confusing uh, acts of service with evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it goes back to something Desi kind of touched on, you know, because because they've lost either either they either they never believed it and it's not a true church or they could have been a true church at some point. And they just stop believing that it's the gospel that's the power of God for salvation. Right. right. And so they, you know, and, and really, when you think about what's being preached in a lot of these seeker-sensitive churches, I mean, is it really even salvation that they're looking for? Or is it just a, a decision for Jesus, you know, or something like that? You know, are they really talking about being born again and, you know, becoming a new creation, all these things? So you can see all kinds of variations of this. I mean, for some of these people... Uh, some of the, some of these churches, you know, that I don't, I don't really think most of these are churches, but I mean, you know, their their evangelism is basically like you know bouncy houses and barbecues. Sure. Um, you know, which is you know neither one of those things are necessarily sinful in and of themselves, but it's, if there's no gospel there, I mean, what you know, you've heard it said before. I, I, someone of old said. And you're just, you know, giving people a more comfortable place to go to hell from. That's yeah, that's right. important. Um, yeah, we we should talk about that a little bit more um, descriptively. But can you share the gospel without sharing the gospel? I mean, can I can I go and I take a group of the church people down to the park and I set up a you know a tent and a barbecue and hand out hot dogs and waters? Am I evangelizing there? Well, no, I mean, not, I mean, not if you're not giving a, I mean, at least a gospel track at minimum or opening your mouth. And I mean, you can't evangelize without the gospel. Exactly. So what we're saying, a water bottle is not the gospel and a hot dog is not the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. But, and we need to, and, and I know we've been in the, the field for a while, but so many people believe that. And I remember presenting, um, an evangelistic idea to a church I worked at, at uh, about four years ago. I said, look, I just want to go down to the trolley station and um, or the uh, light rail station here, trolley in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I just want to share the gospel. And he said, well, is that going to get people into the church? And aren't you just supposed to live your life? 
So that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, aren't I we supposed to that? live our life? Isn't that the way that we evangelize? Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I was just going to actually talk about that. I had somebody correct me before. Actually, it's happened more than once. I'm sure it's happened to Bobby, too. And I know it's happened to you where they say exactly that. Uh, well, you just said that it happened. But, uh, yeah, you're going to turn people away. They're never going to go to church. Um, but, you know, you could do all these other good things like, you know, you need to go and serve them and give them hot dogs and go, you know, wash their cars for free. And um, and so one thing that had come to me one day is I'm like, you know who's super nice? Like if you were talking about religious groups and they do a ton for the community, probably some of the nicest people you'd ever meet, Mormons. But yeah. they do not have a God that saves. They don't have a gospel message that says saves. Uh, all that soup that they give people, all that service won't save one person. And so me being nice and people looking onto my life, uh, I of course I want to be nice. I have the Lord. Uh, I, I feel like I'm a joyful person because of what Christ has done in my life. And I hope that people see that. Um, but if, man, if somebody's looking on my life to be saved, they're going to hell because ain't nobody getting saved from watching me do any good works. It's good because we're supposed to point to one person, but right. it surely ain't us. Yeah. If our life is supposed to be a gospel message, um, it's not, it's, it's powerless. It's right. just not, it's not the gospel message. I think what we're getting to simply is that without the communication of the gospel, even coming out of your mouth or giving a tract, you cannot evangelize. And you can give as much hot dogs out or waters or whatever it may be, um, but there is no evangelism being accomplished. And that's what it, it, it desperately needs to be heard because so many people are being led by leaders who are calling that evangelism when it's not. We need to make sure we're speaking on this because so much time is being wasted. You ask that question. I mean, if you got three different sets of people, groups of people at a park, three different people, you got Muslims, you've got Christians, Protestant Christians, evangelical Christians, and Mormons, and they're all giving out hot dogs, who's preaching the gospel? Right. Well, nobody's preaching the gospel. So, that, again, these acts of services are great, and I'm not, I'm not against uh, just loving your neighbor and feeding hot dogs. Remember, we used to do it at City on a Hill Church. Yeah. And we would give, I don't know, in the span of five years, I don't know, tens of thousands of hot dogs. But we always have to couple that with the gospel message. It's, let me give you a, a, a hot dog because God commands me to love my neighbor. Right. But let me share with you the gospel, too. One thing that totally irks me, too, it's like one of my, like, it just gets under my skin is the way that we've muddied that word love. So we used to go to a church um, where they did a lot of cool stuff for the community. One time they had a huge Halloween outreach thing and there was thousands of people there and it was really cool. It was kind of a safe environment for people to come and families. And I really appreciated it. Our family loved it. But one thing that was missing is that there was no gospel message there was no tracks there was nothing and so we had written saying hey we you know really love this um we enjoyed we enjoyed it it was a blessing to our family but we just feel like man that was a missed opportunity for thousands of people who might never ever step foot into our church to potentially get the gospel message and we missed it and the response was you know we just want to love on people 
Yeah, that's it. Hey, but what is the most loving thing that we can do? I understand that. I think giving people hot dogs and a safe place to go take your kids is amazing. It's wonderful and we should do it. And we're not poo-pooing good works, of course. (laughs) Go in and serve your, lay down your life for your community. The lost, the saved, Mm -hmm. lay down your life for your neighbors. Serve them. Yeah, do it. But once we start saying that it is unloving to give someone the gospel, Oh boy, we are in trouble. We are in trouble with our theology. We don't know what love is. We need to really get back to what God's word says loving. And what what is the most loving thing you can do is tell somebody the truth about yeah, Jesus. That's it. And uh, I heard somebody just saying that in a song I was listening to, a worship song on the way over here. He said, I thought it was great. You cannot love without the truth. Right. That the truth proclaimed, the gospel message proclaimed, is the the highest type of love or and i always say this but people who love at the highest level the greatest lovers of people on this planet are people who share in the gospel right because we're helping we're dealing with people uh, at the point of where they need help the most but it's so important that we're defining biblical evangelism because you know you think about you know people in a in a shipwreck and a boat comes up alongside of them that they're expecting people to be throwing out a line that these people can hold on to to rescue them. And I think what we're coming to is, or what we're seeing is we're seeing a bunch of churches that should be in a rescue mission, preaching the gospel. They're not throwing out lines to the lost. They're not. And they're saying that they are. What do I mean by that is they're reducing and redefining evangelism. They think that they're doing that. They're, they're not. Yeah. 